I'm really thrilled to have the opportunity to interact with you um, today and next week and culminating on Easter Sunday on uh, what mighty power this Jesus resurrection is that we've been graced into. And the Apostle Paul in, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15 goes into some real nuggets, real treasures, real special revelations of the, the nuances and blessings of the Jesus resurrection that happened on that first Easter Sunday, resurrection day. And so we're going to start with that today from 1 Corinthians uh, 15. And the first observation I'd like to make, talking point, is what, what mighty power this Jesus resurrection, re- resurrection is for the gospel-heralding church. You know, every church should have an evangelistic presence in their community, some kind of creative way to reach out into their community. Every church should have a heralding dimension. It's like we're a, a sailboat without a sail without that. And with the sails up and the winds of the Spirit blowing, we are going somewhere. We always are in um, juxtaposition to the culture in sharing in a winsome, cheerful, happy, creative way. And this is God's design for, for every church. And if I've, I've had people, I've run into people on the street that said, I've been waiting for you. I've been waiting for Christians that believe that Jesus rose from the dead and that he's coming back and he forgives sins. I know that to be true, but I, I, just, I just thought, I've been waiting for someone to be so excited about it that they actually came up to me and started talking to me about it. And I said, well, here I am. <laughs> Let's talk about that. So we're a gospel-heralding church and the, there's resurrection power for us. Jesus burst out of that tomb on the first Easter Sunday morning with an incredible amount of power, didn't he? This, the earthquake that happened when the angel rolled the, the stone back it was symbolic of the power that was, was being released to the church at that, very, at that very moment. I remember in physical science class in junior college at Clark College in Vancouver, Washington, the uh, professor, one of the things he, I remember some of the things he said, one of the things he said, was that earthquakes are the most powerful physical force on the planet, even, even more uh, powerful than atomic, uh, atomic bombs. And, you know, the earthquake that, um, that caused a tsunami in 2004 in Asia was 1,000 times stronger than any atomic bomb that could destroy a, a world city. So there was a, 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 a prophetic uh, symbol that happened when the angel rolled the stone back, saying, you know what? This is power right here, friends. This is power right here. Same thing happened uh, earlier when Jesus died on the cross, an earthquake, remember? This is power, friends, right here. The death, resurrection of Jesus, that's power. It's a prophetic dynamic that happened there. So, moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. This isn't a new cult on the scene. This is continuity with the message of God down through the ages as expressed in the Old Testament. This is a culmination. The Messiah is here according to the Scriptures. And that He was buried. It wasn't, it wasn't a, a re, just a, a resuscitation, this resurrection. Jesus was dead, and he was dead for three days, and he was buried. 
And he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, that is, Peter. Then by the twelve, not including Judas, twelve is symbol for the eleven. <laughs> After that, he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present. You guys can go ask them. You could, they can tell you all about it, is what he's saying to the Corinthian church. But some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James. It's funny that James was Jesus' brother, and he was one of the ones that wanted to commit him. He says he's out of his mind. And then all of a sudden, he's writing the book of James, and he's referring to himself not as, not as even James, the brother of Jesus, but James, the servant of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Something happened. It was the fact that he saw the resurrected Christ. Then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me, the Apostle Paul, also as one born out of, out of due time. So what the Apostle Paul is starting in this chapter on the resurrection um, about is he's, he's declaring to them that the resurrection of Jesus Christ in history was, um, was part and par- parcel of his gospel. It's what he's always, he preached to them, what he's, what he's always preached to them. And then he says that, you know, it's, it really is true. Do you know that people have faith in all kinds of things these days? Do you know that a lot of times people have faith in lies? you know anybody that has faith in lies, something that's not true? Do you know that faith plus lies or untruth or non-truths equals fantasy? Do you know what, that faith plus truth equals reality? Do you know that when you put your faith in the truth of the Lord Jesus, that when he came to you as a lost sheep and he found you and he revealed himself to you in the unique way that he did for each of our stories, our life stories, do you know that that resurrection revelation of the living, loving Lord Jesus Christ, his declaration to your heart, you ask me how I know he lives, he lives within my heart. Do you know that that is, that is just as real a revelation that each of these disciples got and that the 500 got? Theirs was rooted in a resurrection experience in history. Yours was by faith, but it's just as real. It's just as powerful. It's just as potent. It is of enormous power, even the revelation of the resurrection of Jesus, sorry, to you. The Apostle Paul is saying, I, hey, it happened to me. I was one born out of due time. I, I got the revelation later, a few years later. And as we think about what happened with the Apostle Paul, let's consider that what happened with, uh, let's think of Ananias, the guy that led the Apostle Paul to Saul to Christ. Let's think of him as a symbol of the gospel heralding church because that's what he was. He heralded the gospel to this guy named Saul and he became the Apostle Paul and got good saved and the rest is history. Let's consider that. We won't uh, look at it, but just refer to it. That um, when when Saul was heading uh, to Damascus to persecute the Christians and saw a blinding light, heard a voice saying... uh, why are you persecuting me? It's the voice of Jesus. Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you're, who are you, you are persecuting. And uh, he, he is blinded. And um, he ends up 
at Ananias' house, and God had prepped Ananias to, to share with, the, with uh, Saul. And a very simple message was shared. In fact, we don't even know what the words are entirely, but just, it's just a spontaneous uh, message that said, Jesus sent me to, that you can receive your sight. So it's a message of healing. The church has a message of what? Of divine healing and divine health. The church has a message of healing. And to be filled with the Spirit. You know one of the most exciting things in the world is to be able to lay your hands on someone's shoulder, on their head, or even just in, be in their presence and say with the, all the authority of heaven backing you up, be filled with the Spirit and and. Sit, sit back and watch that happen. To, that happened to many of you. That's happened to many of us, imparting the presence of the Spirit to people. And that happened with Ananias to, to, to um, Saul. He received the Spirit and he was baptized. I don't know what, in what order it all happened. It said that it was, it was, he was, the church has a, has a the baptism is the, is, the, um, is the New Testament altar call. It's saying, I'm cutting, I'm, I'm burning my bridges. I'm going public about my faith in Christ. This is very simple, spontaneous response. And I think sometimes we try to, we try to jam too much into a, 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 um, a gospel presentation. And, and we try to give, uh, you know, 16 courses, 16 uh, class courses on how to, you know, how to be an evangelist and so on. And it, uh, a lot of it in the New Testament is just so spontaneous. And so, it, it, you know, just be healed and, and believe in Jesus. And, and that's a start. And God can fill in, the, fill in the gaps later with any information that he wants to from the word. You know, there, there can be a process involved as well as a dynamic moment. And we, we value and we appreciate that. I think that the fact that Ananias was already had a personal culture of miracles. He had a, he had a vision. He heard the voice of God. He had courage to, to preach. Reminded me of our, our fellowship. I was in, it, uh, in an outburger with my two grandkids from England. They don't have one of those in, in London. And, and so they wanted to go to in and out Burger and and uh, Louise um, Preston from our church uh, came and sat by us. She was having lunch there. We invited her to sit with us and eat lunch. And I asked her, I said, Louise, you've just been in our church a few, you know, a few uh, months, few weeks, few months. What, what is, what's something that you like about New Song? And she said, well, I was in a denomination for years and years. And you know what? I started coming to this church. It feels like I'm right in the middle of the book of Acts. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> I like that. What mighty power this Jesus resurrection has. It's a simple gospel. We just do our best to bumble along and share it. And bam, the power of God hits people. <laughs> I really like that part. I was uh, part of the Super Soul Winning Saturday yesterday morning. And Jim Atto and I were going home to home sharing the gospel. And I had a prophetic word, a, a word of knowledge for a young lady at her door that she was sort of jammed up with grief regarding the loss of a child. And I shared it kindly and delicately. I asked her. She says, yeah, that's, that's true. And I said, We've, we're sharing the gospel with you now. This is a sign and a wonder of two, about two things. One is that God deeply cares about that loss in your heart. And he, he's going deep with you in your pain and wanting to bring you comfort, encouragement, help. And second of all, the fact that you know that I know, don't know your story, your life, 
it's a sign and a wonder to you that everything else we're saying is true. You know, we had such a good interaction. She was already a believer in Christ. And, but she, her, she basically said, everything you're saying to me is true. I believe it. Everything you're saying. And it was a, a real God moment, a real encounter. Later on at the Walmart parking lot, I walked up to a young lady sitting in a car with a middle schooler um, sitting next to her daughter, I think. And I started sharing the gospel with her. And she said, I will never serve a God. Great anger. I will never serve a God who um, kills children. My child died. And I will never serve a God like that. And also I was raped. A God that would send someone to rape me. I could never serve a God like that. You know, and I had been, I, I was, God help me. How do I do that? How do I relate to this? What do you want me to say? And I, I was reminded that, hold steady, little academic here. <laughs> I had just read how this guy, this Dutch theologian by the name of Van Til has applied apologetics to, to work with the simple gospel. Sometimes apologetics can be very convincing rationally, but it's divorced from the simple gospel. And what he said was, find out what their presuppositions and their their assumptions are that are faulty, the lies they're believing, and go after them, expose their lies. And then, once that's done, then you can share the simple gospel and see what God will do. And so I went after I said, I want to suggest to you, I want to submit to you that it's not that Jesus, the revelation of Jesus in the gospels, he didn't go around children, killing children. He went around blessing children. He loves children. He wept with people that wept. He he cares deeply about loss. He's not the one that, that killed your child, and, he, and he, he's not the one that, that, that caused the rape to happen. We live in a fallen world, and, and it's, a, it's a troubling world. He's the one that comes to save us and deliver us and, and help us with his resurrection power and grace and love. And, and she, it was like she'd never heard that side of it before. But I... I, I now... I, I need to tell you, she did step on the gas and peel out and leave. <laughs> and I think I heard a few cuss words as she left. But you know what? It's too late. I thought to myself, too late, sister. I was very empathetic, very sympathetic. I, I felt so bad for her, for her loss in her life. I felt that of God, how God felt. But I also know this. God put a seed of doubt in her assumptions, in her presuppositions. And I know in time there'll be someone that will come and reinforce that. And once the seed of doubt is planted and the Holy Spirit waters it, beautiful things start to happen. And um, you guys know that from firsthand experience, I think, don't you? Yeah. So what mighty power this Jesus resurrection we shared the gospel in simplicity. Power. It's wonderful to watch. It's wonderful to watch. It was wonderful to watch it. Um, and yesterday and often to watch the simple power of God be at work in people's lives. Like the Apostle Paul is, is saying here, he shared the gospel with, some with such simplicity with the Corinthian church. He died for your sins, according to the scriptures. 
He was buried and he was raised from the dead according to the scriptures. This is truth. Your faith in this truth propels you into reality. You're no longer believing myth. You're no longer believing fantasy. The lies have been broken off of you and are continuing to be broken off of you and me. And the truth is setting us free. Hallelujah. Second talking point. The uh, what mighty power this Jesus resurrection for the gospel heralding strong standing church. Now, I didn't want to just put for the strong standing church, lest you think that there is a comparison that we have gospel heralding churches and then we have strong standing churches. No, it's the same church. For the gospel heralding strong standing church. Notice what the Apostle Paul writes about the strong standing church. 1 Corinthians 15, rewinding to verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand. The way in is the way on. As you receive the Lord Jesus Christ, so walk in him. Paul says, if you hold fast the word which I preach to you. We live in a fallen world, we, and the world, the flesh, and the devil are forces we have to contend with until Jesus comes back. And it's imperative, it's incumbent upon us to always refresh ourselves with the simple realities of the gospel, the truths of the gospel, and, the, and all the, the blessings of the word of God, and to stand strong in them together. And we help each other stand strong, don't we? Now, this is not just a pastor trying to give you some philosophical life angles. You see... There's a huge difference between the leaders of every other religion and Jesus. Reli you know, other prophets of other religions, some of them had some pretty cool things to say, very helpful things to say, but they didn't rise from the dead. I like what J.I. Packer says when he says this, there is a huge difference between the life-transforming impact of one who is dead and the life-transforming impact of one who is alive. Jesus is alive and the invitation from the Apostle Paul is to really go after the resurrected presence, lean into the resurrection power of Jesus for our lives every single day. Lean into it. Don't, it's not just something that God did we're just, and we just passively go through our life, oh yeah, I got saved and I've lived for myself the rest of my life. No, we lean into this presence of Jesus. We lean into this reality of a resurrected Jesus Christ. Who the, who the Holy Spirit has bonded us to and bound us to. The Holy Spirit is the bond that binds us to the living Lord Jesus Christ. And we lean in, we do all we can to lean into that presence. Michael Green put it this way, we go after, he says, go after inner renewal every day. Seek each day to live for Him. I love this sunshine, don't you? That we've had recently. People have hope for that uh, for springtime, and my wife hopes that I'll mow the lawn sometime soon. <laughs> and I hope I can get my fishing motor, motor, motor uh, fixed so we can go, I can go fishing again and go fishing again with some of my buddies and some of you. And, and, um, and uh, you know, 
Brenda's all excited about the new Grange in White City, Grange Co-op. And I told her, I think they found out that, uh, you know, our, our son John and Megan live, you know, near there. And so they said, we've got to put a Grange here because Brenda will be coming by here several times a week. <laughs> you know? So there's all this hope for sunshine. I want you to know we have S-O-N shine. And it's warm. And it's pleasant. And it's filled with hope. And we don't have to wear sunglasses or wear a hat. We just soak in the rays. And we can lean into that sunshine, S-O-N, by praise and worship in our day. We can lean into the sunshine, S-O-N, by going deep in humility and, and uh, recognizing a continual repentance and keep short accounts with God relationally. We go deep into the sunshine when we, when we look for opportunities to reach out and love people out of that sunshine that we're experiencing. These are ways that increase the sunshine on us, praise and outreach and going deep in humility before the Lord. These are, these are activities that, that cause the sunshine to increase, the resurrection sunshine of Jesus to increase. Praise the Lord. Finally, and final talking point, what mighty power this Jesus resurrection is. Here it is. Ready? For the gospel heralding, strong standing, grace in weakness church. It's all one church, not different kinds of churches. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 9. For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach and so you believed. Paul's saying it's part of, it was part of a team effort heralding the good news to you guys and everywhere else in the world. I love it that the Apostle Paul is recognizing that the primary apostle is the, is the chief apostle, Jesus Christ himself. It's really his work, the work of the Father, work of the Son, the work of the Holy Spirit. They are all in collusion toward you to bring forth resurrection Jesus' life and all the benefits thereof in your personal journey more and more. A little boy, I read a story of a little boy. He said, Mommy, whenever we do anything good for another person, it is really God doing the good thing. Like that. The Apostle Paul isn't talking primarily and first and foremost about, first, about doing certain things in his apostling. It's more has to do with his identity. And the prophetic word about identity today, you know, but Jesus has blood-bought you into certain gifts and ministries that make up your identity. I know I think of myself often as a, I wear different hats, you know, I'm a dad, I'm a husband, I'm a grandfather, and, uh, but I'm also a teacher, and I'm a pastor, and I'm a, and a, I'm a herald, too. The Apostle Paul referred to himself as an apostle, a teacher, and a herald. It's his identity. It was his blood-bought identity. I think it can be helpful for us to identify two or three things or four things that make up who we are and recognize there is resurrection power 
for, for you to fully celebrate those, and those uh, identity elements in ways that bring you ever-increasing joy and to others around you ever-increasing joy. And it's, it's not so much waiting for someone to give you an opportunity for ministry. It has to do with who you are in your essence. I was talking with Miguel Zayas recently, and I remember when Miguel just first moved to this area and started attending New Song Church, and he had this apostolic anointing on him. You know, not, not the apo- apostolic anointing, that same level of the apostles who, in the Bible that wrote the Bible, but an apostolic gifting to, to, to strengthen and bless churches wherever he would be. And I saw that on him. We talked about it. And he wasn't, he, he wasn't at first being asked to go different places. But as the years have gone by, he has this increasing clientele of churches throughout the Pacific Northwest that he goes and ministers to. And I, we were talking about it. I said, Miguel, you're the same person you were when you first came in here. You, you've been a pastor in New Jersey, and now you were liberated from pastoring, and you get to be an apostle. And, <laughs> and, and, and uh, he said, this is, this is the best time of my life. You know, and and I, I said, you know what? It has to do, doesn't it, with something you are, not just something that you do. Yeah, he says, it's in me. It's in me. This is who I am. And God wants to give you resurrection, resurrection strength to be fully who you are. What burns in your bones? What 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 runs in your blood? What what gives you passion and and excitement? This is who you are, and it doesn't have to have all be described in, in biblical terms. It could be, it could be motherhood or fatherhood. I know, I know, I, know, I have my kids from my kids from Santa Barbara and and, um, and uh, England here this last week, last two weeks. I tell you what, just between you and me, it takes a real grace to be a grandfather. <laughs> it takes resurrection power to fulfill fully that identity adequately. The grace for being. Paul says, I am what I am. I had a correspondence by letter with a young soldier in this last year during the pandemic in basic training, and he, he, he wrote me and he said, I don't know if I can do this. He's preparing to be an officer I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this. Christian, there's no Christians around. I'm all alone. And I just encouraged him. There's resurrection power for your identity as a soldier. I encouraged him, blessed him. I wrote it. We wrote back and forth some. And he got through it. And you know what? God did help him. That's part of his testimony now, how he got through that. God blessed him and helped him with that soldier identity. I remember when I was a first, my first year of, my only year <laughs> of teaching, sixth grade, um, a few years back. And uh, I was having a kind of a rough day, and I started mumbling to myself, as I often do. I said, Jesus Christ is making me into an excellent teacher. Jesus Christ. And that was the sort of the declaration that became part of my mumbling every morning as I was getting the lesson t- together for the six, 36th graders. Jesus Christ is causing me, he's making me into an excellent teacher. I'd mum it, mumble it and say it. And, and pe- people would say, well, what did you just say? I said, nothing. <laughs> but I'd mumble it, I'd say it, and I'd write it out. And, you know, it really helped. It really helped. And I, I look back on those days and my other days of teaching with great nostalgia because there was such high 
moments and wonderful moments that made me laugh. I wonder if the Apostle Paul ever mumbled that. He seemed to, God is making me into an excellent apostle. <laughs> I think so. Jerry Cook wrote, wrote it this way, never forget, even in your weakest moment, the power working in you is the very same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Grace, a grace on us, resurrection power for us is like spinach to Popeye. Let's watch this. I Popeye the Sailor Man, I Popeye the Sailor Man, I am what I am and that's all what I am, I Popeye the Sailor Man. And I think Olive Oil probably needs an identity therapy herself. But <laughs> let's stand up. Stand up and remind everybody that we have altar time. We expect, anticipate miracles. Maybe you're not saved. Maybe you're not born again. This is your day for that to happen. Start experiencing resurrection power today. This is your day. Come and just tell say, I want to be saved today. Come up for healing. Come up for body, soul, or spirit. Whatever you need prayer for, go after it. And then um, in a few minutes, there will be prophetic ministry starting over on this side. Put your hands on your heart. I say resurrection fire. Resurrection power, resurrection revelation, and an anointing to press into it, to lean into Jesus more and more, to realize what our identity is, and to fully release, even when, our, in our, when we feel weak, the resurrection blessing of identity that you blood bought us into. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Have a great week.